praise God. We'll shout in the chorus. Hold together on that last verse. I heard
Amen. Thank you, Jonathan and Rachel. You realize you can be as close to God as you want to be, right? The Bible says we draw near to him. He will draw near to us. Thank you for that. We're going to sing at Just As I Am. This is the one where it's the older hymn and it's had a chorus to it that we've sung before. And uh, so we'll sing all three verses. Just as I am, I come broken. Just as I am. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
stand for our last song. We've been singing this all month. This was our theme for our missions conference last weekend. We'll sing all three verses of His Name Among All Nations. Oh, the love of Christ the Shepherd is the
Lift your eyes toward heaven and believe the one who holds eternity. And when you don't understand the purpose of his plan, in the presence of the King, bow the knee. There are days when clouds surround us and the rain begins to fall. The cold and lonely winds won't cease to blow. And there seems to be no reason for the suffering we feel. We are tempted to believe God does not know. When the storms arise, don't forget to live by faith and not by sight. Bow the knee, trust the heart of your Father when the answer goes beyond what you can see. Bow the knee. Lift your eyes toward heaven and believe the one who holds eternity. And when you don't understand the purpose of his plan, in the presence of the king, bow the knee. Trust the heart of your Father when the answer goes beyond what you can see. Bow the knee, lift your eyes toward heaven and believe the one who holds eternity. And when you don't understand the purpose of his in the presence of the King, bow the knee, bow the knee, bow the knee. Thank you, Mr. Devin. John chapter 15 is where we're going to be. John chapter 15. The music has all fit very well with the message. I hope you're listening to each one of those uh, songs that we sung and have been sung and been played. So uh, before I forget, because I will forget, uh, so Andrew and Pastor Andrew and uh, Pastor Brett and the Ruley boys sang the national anthem at the high school. They've done this a couple, three times. And the uh, athletic director of the high school put their name in, and now they are going to be singing the national anthem at the state wrestling championship at Gamebridge. When's that coming up? Anybody know when that com- is it coming up? 
18th of February, so it's coming up pretty quick at Gamebridge. So, hey, it will be on some kind of TV. I don't know. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not prime time or anything, but uh, that's pretty cool. We're excited about uh, the opportunity that they've been given, so uh, exciting times. So they're trying to figure out what to call themselves. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. All right, so last week, uh, Brother Andy Gleiser, he preached a message, and it just got me thinking. I'm going to piggyback off of Andy's message, and um, I'm going to tell you right up front, this, there's some heaviness to this message, but I, I want you to also understand there's, it's not a scold. It is, you know, it's intended to bring us to a place of hope, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you grasp all of that, uh, but um, he was... In Mark chapter 9, we're still in John chapter 15, so, but he was in Mark chapter 9, and he was you know, telling the story about the, the, the boy that was demon-possessed, and the, the, uh, the disciples could not cast out the demon, and they asked why, and Jesus came to this conclusion. This kind cometh, not, or cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And that just stuck in my mind. Here's what I'm going to ask you. Do you believe that this generation, perhaps even the last two generations, meaning like uh, when I say generations, I'm not talking about a biblical generation, so I would be looking at you know, the, the past couple of pass-throughs for our teen group. So we'd be talking about our college kids, uh, you know, etc. Do you believe that they have it, that it's a, it's a more difficult time for them to live for Christ than it was for the rest of us? And we say yes, but I think sometimes we don't get why. And so I want to go through the why first today, and then we're going to talk about what we can, you know, what we can do to make a difference here. Uh, because I do believe that. I believe that um, there is an evil present in our land. I'm not talking about demons. But there's an evil present in our land that we've not encountered, and that this kind goes not out but by prayer. And by fasting. And if we don't get a hold of this, we're going to lose an entire generation. I'm not talking about the world is going to lose a generation. I'm talking about God's people are going to lose a generation of kids. But we're already watching that. So we've watched it collapsing over the last few. And I miss Sarah. I didn't see you here. Good to have you. So uh, anyway, so let's pray and then we'll jump into this. Father, we come before you as needy people. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize the the evils that we're up against, that we would recognize the difficulties that it is for for people to live for Christ in this day and age, and that we would be able to see and understand how you can use us to change that, to impact things. And Father, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the question is why? Why is this phenomenon happening? We're going to go all the way back to the founding of our nation, right? You can argue this point, whatever you want, as far as the how you feel about it. But the reality is, our nation was founded on Christian principles. We know that. Read the Constitution, you'll see it. It's, it's founded on Christian principles. The, our, our first 13 colonies were, were really divided up into, into uh, belief systems, so to speak, right? Into denominations of Christianity. They were all some kind of Christian denomination, but they were different denominations. For instance, there was a Baptist colony. What was it? Rhode Island, thank you. I was hoping somebody paid attention in history class. They were a Baptist group, and they started Rhode Island. And so that's the way it was. So our founding was upon Christian principles. 
And what happens is, the Bible says this, righteousness exalteth a nation. And what began to happen is that the church played a role in staving, holding off evil. So we're in Matthew chapter 5. You're going to still be in John 15, all right? I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 5. It'll probably pop up there. Uh, so let's take a look at this in verse uh, 13. It says this, Ye are the salt of the earth. Now the ye is you and I as believers. It's the church. Ye are the salt of the earth. Give me please, what's the number one reason we use salt? Okay. You guys would say preservative. That's probably true. Now in the first service, everybody said Flavor. And uh, that's probably true, too. Now, you and I use salt for flavor. But the, the, the bulk of the salt used around the globe is as a preservative, right? Uh, so, but let's talk about flavor for a moment. So, uh, is Miss Jenny in here? Miss Jenny, I love this story. So, I went out to their wedding, and I sat down with breakfast with uh, Jenny's dad. He's a pastor. And um, out in Delaware, was it Delaware? Is that right? And uh, we sat down for breakfast. And he grabs a salt shaker and salts his bacon. <laughs> now there's a guy that likes salt. <laughs> Pastor Andrew, I'll talk about him since he's not. There he is. He is, he is here. Every time. Pastor Andrew, he's in the habit of this. Jessica will back me up on this. Sits down at the table and reaches for the salt shaker. Not his fork. Reaches for the salt shaker. His idea is that everything tastes better with salt. And so we're like, taste it first. It might be okay. He's like, well, if it tastes good now, it'll taste even better with salt, right? Okay, so we do use salt as flavor. But... The bulk of the salt used in, in the, around the globe is to preserve. Every time you open a can, it's packed full of sodium, right, of salt, because it keeps that can fresh. Now, that's why, like, MREs that last for 25 years sitting on the shelf, can you imagine how much sodium is in there? Uh, there's a reason why they taste nasty, and that's one of them, but you, know, you can eat them. They're edible. It keeps them preserved. The Bible says that the church is the salt. And the reality is when the church is vibrant and alive and doing what it's supposed to do, it's keeping the evil away. It's keeping the evil from growing and getting harder and more difficult. But what we have now, we are in a post-Christian society. And what we have now are gener is a generation of teenagers and college students many of which who have never once held or read a Bible, who have never heard the name of Jesus in any other, in any other context other than as a curse word. And that's a reality. If you don't believe me, then talk to people about Jesus. I promise you, right here in Indianapolis, you will find people who will be shocked at what you're going to say about Jesus because they've never heard it before. Never heard it before. And with the diminishing of the church, it's allowed the evil to take root, or the Bible calls it a stronghold. It's allowed the evil to step in and take root. The, the Bible goes on here uh, in the next verse, verse 14, says, Ye are the light of the world. What does light do? Shines light on the darkness, right? It, it, it takes the darkness away, it dispels the darkness. When the church is vibrant and, and alive and getting the job done, the light is shining and the darkness is diminished. But as the church diminishes, as the vibrancy of God's people diminish, what also happens is that the darkness creeps in. Now, 
I got saved when I was 16. You can argue whether this is a good idea or not, but it was a good idea to get saved, by the way. But uh, you can argue whether the rest of this is a good idea. I got saved when I was 16. When I was 17, I went to Bible college and at the same time went on staff at Faith Baptist Church in Avon as a full-time youth pastor. Now, that probably wasn't the wisest thing, but I say this to say this to you. Now I'm 61. So from the time I was 17 to the time I was 61, I have dealt with teenagers. And I'm going to tell you that our kids today are dealing with things that are new and unusual. The last 10, 15 years have, have brought an evil into our society that is new. It's not new to the world. It's new to us. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. It, it, it's, it's just the way it is. Um, and so, you know, what I've found is that our teenagers want something and the church is failing to show them how to get there. And so here's what we have. It's, it's difficult as this evil creeps into people's lives. And it's not just teenagers, by the way. It's going to be some of the adults sitting right here and you'll know, you'll recognize yourself. But it, it's, you know, as we watch the evil growing, as we watch the darkness taking hold, What's begun to happen is we've, we've gotten ourselves into a pattern of we ask God for forgiveness, and he does. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the God we have, and he forgives us. But we step into the next phase of our life, and we're not finding victory because it takes more to have victory than forgiveness. Forgiveness makes us even we're on par. We're, we're, we're right with God. But victory requires more than that because this kind goeth not out but by prayer and by fasting. There's, there's a step to evil that, that is different perhaps than what we grew up with. And it's becoming a greater challenge for our teenagers, for our young people, for our young married. It's, it's a challenge everywhere that we need to consider how we're going to look at this. Let me, let me bring some things up. Fifteen years ago, I couldn't have named for you one person that I knew personally that was cutting themselves. Hardly, it was hardly existent in our society. I would dare to say that there's not a person in this room that does not know someone personally that's cutting, that's, that ha, is now or has been cutting themselves. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, non-existent in our society. It's never been non-existent. They were doing it in the Old Testament. Read your Bible. It's not new, but it is a new kind of darkness that we face. It's not one that we have had to face. And the generation coming up under us is facing a darkness that we didn't have to face. It's a stronger darkness. And this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And the days when we could just say to a teenager, ask God to forgive you and, and move on, those are long gone because the darkness that has come in is stronger. And this kind goes not out, but by prayer and by fasting. And we're leading them to, to failure because we bring, we do one of two things in our Baptist circles. We're really bad about this. 
We either say, ask God to forgive you, and then we kind of ignore it, or we say, we play this card. You must have never gotten saved. Because if you were saved, you wouldn't do that. Oh, really? Then why did the Apostle Paul write to the church in Corinth and the church in Ephesus and the church in Colossae and say, put off these things, and he lists horrible, wicked sin? Because the darkness was there and was a battle they were dealing with. We've gotten so accustomed to a society that has been tempered by a vibrant church that was light and salt that we didn't have to work at our Christianity and we didn't have to work at raising our kids. But now, all of a sudden, we are facing a darkness that is new to us and we don't know what to do. Depression is rampant. I, I'm, I, and it's not rampant outside these walls. I'm, I'm not, this is not a criticism. It's just a statement of fact. You would be shocked at how many people are on antidepressants sitting right here. And I'm including teenagers. You'd be shocked. Statistically, and I don't know this for a fact on all of them. I know a couple, but I don't know this for a fact on all of them. But statistically, I would guess that close to half of our teenagers are on some kind of antidepressant. Statistically. It's It's rampant. Suicide continues to be, continues to grow. There's only one thing that kills teenagers faster than suicide. What is it? Well, that's, that's a form of suicide. But yeah, it's not fentanyl. It's actually traffic accidents. They don't drive that well. Uh, but, uh, and other people don't drive that well either, teenagers. Okay, it's not always your fault. But uh, anyway, that's the number one killer, right? But teenagers, they're, they're likely to live, right? They're, they're not getting sick and dying. Some do, but that's not the number one killer, not the number ten killer. You know, the number one killer is accidents. Number two is suicide. It's rampant. The darkness has crept in, and it's getting a stronghold. And this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and by fasting. And we've got to figure this out, or our kids, we're going to lose a generation of kids. What well, well, we have. Um, you know, so, I'll stop. So we have... We got pornography. Pornography is it, it's it's become the stronghold of all age groups. But pornography used to be held back in America by a strong church, a church that was a light, and a church that was a salt. But now the pornography industry, they thumb their nose at the church and dare us to do anything about their billions of dollars that they're making and selling to our kids. And the bad part is they're not selling it. You do understand, right? It's free to your kids. They get the money off the advertiser. It's free to the kids. But back when we were kids, right, we had to actually work at... I mean, it's always available, right? It's not new. It was back in the Bible days. It's still been available. But we had to work at it. But now we hand a 10-year-old a phone because we want to know where the 10-year-old is. And we're, we're certain that that 10-year-old will not be able to do anything on this phone that they shouldn't do. And I'm telling you, that 10-year-old could do stuff on that phone when they were five that you can't do. Do you understand? I mean, you can't get your phone to work, hand it to a kid. They'll get it to work. And we literally hand them pornography and say, here. And by the time they're to the place where they don't want that in their lives, when they realize that it's destructive and they come to God and they get forgiveness and God's faithful and just and he forgives us of our sin. And then they turn around 
And the next day, the God, forgive me. And the next day, and the next day. Because the church is failing to give them what they need for victory. Because this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and by fasting. There is an evil in our society that is greater and stronger than the one we think that our kids are facing. Because we're looking at our world through the rose-colored glasses and the way which we were, we were raised. And that's not the world in which they live. It's not. The church is weak and anemic. And the salt has lost its savor. And the light has been hidden under the bushel. And the darkness is flooding in. So what's the answer, Pastor John? What is the answer? Let me give you some other things that have just raised themselves up uh, in ways that are unusual. Psychological and emotional dysfunction among teenagers. I mean, used to, people would have to go through a, a traumatic situation for those things to, rare, to raise themselves up, right? But now, our teenagers are living through the trauma of this society where darkness reigns. And that's what they're dealing with. Social dysfunction, gender issues. The gender issue's been around forever, right? Have you ever read Genesis 19? Gender issue's been around forever. That's Sodom and Gomorrah, by the way. They've been around forever. But are they, are they more prevalent now than you've ever imagined they could possibly be prevalent in America? How does that happen? It happens because the light is diminished and the salt has lost its savor and the darkness is creeping in. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus is the answer. And Jesus is still victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. But this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and by fasting. The idea that we can be flippant in raising up the next generation has long since passed. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. 2 Corinthians chapter, 20, chapter 2, and we'll, I promise we're going to get John 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. The Apostle Paul says, hey, we better be doing some things. Lest Satan should get an advantage. Can I be so brash as to say, folks, Satan has gotten the advantage in America. Advantage Satan. That's where it's at. What do we do? Have we lost? No, the battle has already been won. Jesus fought the battle. It is finished. We have victory through Jesus Christ. But that the reality of that victory is only known through prayer and fasting. And we're going to come to that in just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal, but mighty, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. And there is the beginning of this, right? Please understand, the early church, they were dealing with strongholds. Look at the societies of Ephesus and Colossae and Corinth, and you're going to see just how much wickedness prevailed. and The darkness was prevailing in those societies. And yet the gospel stepped in and changed things. And the strongholds began to be pulled down. But this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Which brings me to this. Now, you're going to have to read my mind, all right? The first, the first group didn't. Let's see if you guys can. I'll, I'll think really hard about it. Okay. 
If you could sum up in one word the concepts of prayer and fasting in the Christian life, what one word would you think of? Okay, we've got some really good words. Submission and sacrifice. I like those. I summed it up this way. This we had to read my mind. Relationship. In order to pray and get hold of the throne of God, you've got to have relationship. Jesus looked at these. Do you think those disciples that Jesus was talking to had already prayed and fasted at some point in their lives? The point that Jesus was making is, listen, if you're a Sunday Christian, this darkness is going to overwhelm you. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. We can't just be nominal Christians and expect to have victory over the kind of darkness that was inside this kid. And as a society, I'm saying we can't be nominal Christians and expect teenagers to have victory by just being a Sunday morning Christian. It's not going to happen. This kind goeth not out, but by a relationship. So here we are in John chapter 15. I told you we'd get there. John chapter 15. Let me show you something. Jesus says in verse 1, I am the vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And this is not about losing your salvation, so don't panic there. But, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bear more fruit. Please notice you have a branch bearing fruit to a branch bearing more fruit. Now are you clean, verse 3, through the word, which I have spoken unto you. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself... I can't do this on my own. I am not going to find this victory on my own. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except ye abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. We've got to, we've got to, be, a, we've got to be attached. Uh, John Van Gelderen years ago was preaching here, and he gave this illustration, or somewhat of an illustration. He drags this extension cord across the... Uh, the uh, platform, the platform being over there, it's been that many years ago. And uh, he drags across the platform, and he gets it to the plug-in, and he lays it on the floor. And you, you, the point is this. If we're not connected, there's no power. To abide in the vine is to maintain a constant relationship with our Savior. In that consistency of relationship, that is where fruit comes. In that consistency, that is where victory is found. This kind goeth not out by prayer and by fasting, by relationship. We are not going to get our teenagers to the victories that they need and so desperately want. Some of these kids sitting right here, they've come to me and Pastor Andrew like, I don't want to do this anymore. What can I do? And we lead them to the Lord to forgive. And He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what He does. But that brings us back to even. That doesn't bring us to bearing fruit. That brings us to ready to bear fruit. The victory comes in abiding in the vine. The victory comes in staying connected. The victory comes in that relationship. And I'm telling you, folks, we're all in trouble. Some of you may be sitting here saying, Pastor, you know, you're talking about things that I'm dealing with. That's my point. That's my point. That the darkness is spreading. 
and God's people are struggling to find victory. The victory that Jesus died to give us. The victory that is available, but it's not available through forgiveness alone. Forgiveness gives us the opportunity for victory. The Apostle Paul said he wrestles his flesh every day, right? The spirit and the flesh wrestle against one another. Forgiveness gives, the, gives us the opportunity. So we, you know, we mess up. We come to the Lord, please forgive me. And He is faithful and just and forgives us. And now we have opportunity to begin bearing fruit. But the church has gotten lazy to try to get the, the discipled into that next step of staying connected. And what happens is we say to these teenagers when they come to us, well, ask God to forgive you, and He will. And we pat ourselves on the back like we did them some big favor. They knew that. They asked God to forgive them last week, and the week before, and the week before. And they're just this close to thinking it doesn't really matter because I asked for forgiveness and I still don't find victory. And they're coming to the conclusion that it must not work. And they're walking out of our churches never to come back. We're missing something. It's the abiding in the vine. Look what Jesus says in verse 5. says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. So there in verse 2 you had bearing fruit, then bearing more fruit, and now you have bearing much fruit. Do you know what happens when we stay connected? Victory. That's what happens. The strongholds begin to be pulled down. And we begin to find victory in Jesus. But if all we're going to do is say, you know, you need to... I'm going to step down here and get a tissue. If all we're going to do is say, you need to... uh, Ask God to forgive you and walk, out, walk, walk away. We're not doing much for them. Or sometimes we do this. Our Baptist church is really bad about this. You know, they must have never been saved. Because if they'd have been saved, they would never have done that. Really? Is that why the Apostle Paul wrote to Corinth and listed these whole horrible sins that, and such were some of you? Is that why the Apostle Paul wrote to Ephesus and says, put off that old man that lying, cheating, thieving, angry, put it off and put on a new... Is that why the Apostle Paul said to the church of Colossae, mortify your flesh. Because God's people are fighting this battle. And that's our teenagers. We've got to give them the tools. I tell you, dads, they're watching us. They're watching us. They're trying to figure out how to live a successful, victorious Christian life. But we've become accustomed to being nominal Christians because the darkness we were raised in didn't have the bite that the darkness they've been raised in has. And we somehow think they'll just wander through and make it. And they're not. They're not making it. And we have, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and by fasting. Every year we ask the teenagers to write letters at camp. And this year... Uh, we usually have them write letters to themselves, and, and um, so we send them to them, you know, sometime later, just to remind them of the decisions that they made, where their heart was when they were at camp. This year, or this last summer, we asked them to write letters to mom and dad in the church and or the church and say, I wish you knew, or I wish you would, or something along that line. And uh, so... This morning, literally, I, the Lord reminded me, oh, I, I reached in and grabbed the first three letters, and here they are. They're going to break your heart. 
First one says, and these are anonymous, except for this one was not anonymous because he put his name on it, and I'm going to read it because that's the way he put it. I'm Lionel. Lionel's really a visitor for us. He, he's Burmese. He goes to Burmese church. And, but um, he says, I'm, I'm glad to be here at Kobiak. I learned many things. I wish I could bring my brothers and sisters and friends. Pray for my country to be a better place. Because his country is in darkness. And that's my prayer. This one says, Dear SBT, I wish the church talked more about teen relationships and teens' mental health issues. I don't know who it is. This is what it says. This one, very large print, says, I wish you knew the anger that I had because of the pain I went through. There's a darkness in this society. And these kids are not going to find victory in mere forgiveness because this kind goeth not out but by prayer and by fasting. Heads out, eyes closed. Again, I know it's heavy and I'm not trying to be discouraging. I'm, I'm wanting to give you the hope that there is victory in Jesus. The victory is found in relationship, in abiding. Now, I'm talk, not just talking to teenagers here, college students. I'm talking to everybody because some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor, I know you were talking to teenagers about teenagers, but the reality is I'm fighting those battles. Pornography and depression and suicidal thoughts and the darkness that they're dealing with is creeping throughout the generations. And maybe you'd say, Pastor, and just I know I'm asking you to be transparent, but say, Pastor, you're describing my Christian life. I find forgiveness often, but I'm not seeing victory. I know Christ, I know God is faithful to forgive, but I'm not seeing the victory that He offers. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? Let me see that so I can pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Five, seven, ten. Thank you. Maybe say, Pastor, I think I've, I've, I'm doing okay on the relationship side. I'm seeing the victories. Slow but sure. The Pastor, I know someone. I'm thinking of my kids, my grandkids. I'm thinking of a friend of mine. And the truth is, Pastor, I'm watching the darkness creeping into their soul. And I'm asking you, Pastor, that you would pray for me that I would be the salt and the light that they so desperately need. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? Hands across the place. Father, forgive us when we fail to be a salt, to be a light. God, help us to live connected, abiding, joined unto the power source of Jesus Christ. Help us to see victory and help us not to get discouraged by the darkness that is so prevalent in our society. Help us to recognize that you face that darkness and you offer us victory. Be with each one who's raised their hand. Do a work in each and every heart. We bring this generation before you and pray that your hand of protection would be around them. 
And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing Trusting Jesus. The altar's open to you. You need to step out and do business with the Lord. We invite you to do so. I'm reminded in the story there in Mark chapter 9, um, I, I relate very clearly to the disciples. Why couldn't we? But the one I relate to the most is the dad. Lord, I believe, even when my faith is small, help thou mine unbelief. So uh, trust the Lord. Find his victory. He's offering it. He really is. So. Not trying to discourage you. I hope that you don't walk away from here discouraged, but encourage what God can do in hearts and lives. Right? Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. Love you all. God bless you. Just